Well, just over a week ago, you might recall that we took a look at a survey conducted by one of the key players in the financial services industry, which highlighted that many of us as South African parents had to skimp on some essentials just to make sure that we could take our kids back to school. That raised a lot of concerns, and of course, many of you shared your thoughts and feedback on it, and the reality of the fact that January was exactly that worrisome and our financial blues are adding pressure to our pockets now this does appear to also be driven by uh, inflation in the local market that we're in and typically if you take a look at school fee increases in the country according to some research they've roughly increased by 2.6 percent above inflation every year since 2012 so that should tell you something if school fees are outpacing your income growth and uh, the average consumer price inflation that essentially means that we have had to tweak our budgets in order to accommodate the ever-increasing expense. But how do we manage this? How do we invest for education in an inflationary environment and make sure that the needs and outcomes we pursue can be met? Well, Shahid Mohammed, Head of Group Savings and Investments at Alan Gray, joins us now for more. Shahid, a great delight to have you with us on the show and for a very realistic conversation that impacts a lot of South African households. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Zareth. Pleasure to be on the show. Fantastic. I guess first things first, Shahid, maybe let's contextualize what we are seeing in terms of uh, education inflation in the country before we do take a look at how best we can uh, work uh, to save for this. Oh, thanks. Um, so as, as many listeners would know, I mean, inflation is the rate of increases in prices year on year, and that's measured across a basket of goods and services that we tend to consume quite regularly. Education inflation, however, is the increase in the prices of education costs every year, and that includes school fees, uniforms, textbooks, extramurals, etc. So, as you mentioned earlier, education inflation has been higher than general inflation by almost 2.6% per year over the last 10 to 12 years. While 2.6% might not seem like a lot or a very small number, it's actually the compounding effect of that over time can be quite significant in the pockets of of parents wanting to put their kids through school and, and university. Let's say on average inflation has been sitting at, what, 6 7%. So if you add the 2.6%, that certainly takes us to uh, a much higher region between 8 and 9%. And for the average South African, our salaries haven't been increasing at this level. So I'm assuming our salaries just aren't enough. That's right. So, I mean, you know, over the long term, annually, one gets an increase by, by inflation every year. So... You know, while funding your child's school fees from, from your salary every month might account for only 8 to 10% of your salary. I mean, I'm using, I'm using averages at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with, with education inflation uh, being more than the increase you get in your salary, it actually can take it up to 50% of your salary in future years if you don't sort of invest or, or save or at least let your money keep up with, with education inflation. So it can have a significant impact on, on household incomes. So that tells us one thing, not only should we find alternative sources of revenue and uh, income, but we also need to be very tactful about how we actually actively invest for our children's uh, education. How do we do that? I mean, firstly, as as you mentioned, I think investing is and and saving for your children or your child's education is very important. I think finding it purely from your salary on a pay-as-you-go sort of, you know, um, every year, just funding or paying your school fees from from your salary is not sustainable over the long term. Mm -hmm. Uh, What you need to do is try and set aside money every month, uh, whether you invest it or save it. Um, And the sooner you start that 
that process or, or uh, investing, uh, the bigger the impact would be on, on your, your budget in a positive way. So, for example, if you start saving or investing on a monthly basis from when your, the child is born, um, it, it decreases your, uh, your, your budget by 47% in uh, sort of when, you, when your child reaches uh, high school level or, or university level. So starting early has a big impact on, on uh, what you, you tend to fund in the future. And, um, you know, just delaying it by, for example, six years, it goes from a 40 to 45% sort of uh, positive impact uh, to about 20% positive impact. So for starting sooner, uh, benefit to you and your your, uh, your budget over the long term. My goodness, Shahid, you're saying sooner, and I'm uh, keen to understand just how soon soon is, right? Because some say, well, as soon as your baby's born, and some might say, well, my child will only start school at, what, five, six years old, so maybe I'll start around then. But realistically and practically, how should we personalize this? So, I mean, everyone's circumstance is unique. Um, and however, the rule of thumb is the sooner you start, uh, the effect of compounding or or, or growth on growth has has a, a massive uh, um, effect or impact on on what you need to fund in future years. So, I mean, advice. Well, I can't give advice, but it's best to start as soon as your child is born. But if you can't afford to, then as soon as soon as possible after that. As I mentioned earlier, I mean, starting to save when your child is born, mm. and you start with going from from your investment from when your child reaches high school or or university, it can save you forty seven percent over the long term. Uh, versus when your child is, is six years old, when you start saving investing, that will be you know dropped down to about twenty percent. Still a good, um, a positive impact on on what you fund in future years, um, but you can see the difference from starting to save when your child is born versus when your child is six years old. Hundred percent, and it's very crucial that you mention this because that's that's the typical benefit that uh, anyone starting early or saving for your children does have, which is time in the market versus timing the market. Shahid, I'm also intrigued because many parents will typically ask them, "But where should I invest? Where do I put my money?" Because as we know, there are various asset classes that we should consider, uh, and even those asset classes come with different levels of risk and and I guess potential reward. Sure. So, you know, I mean with. With the increases in, in education costs, you know, going up by more than 2.6% per year, you want to be able to at least beat that sort of uh, a total on an annual basis. And, you know, I mean, a lot of people tend to earn the side of caution, you know, they, they, they risk averse and they invest in sort of cash-like instruments. Um, often, more often than not, those, you know, for example, in a bank account or in a money market fund, that doesn't keep up with education inflation. So your money is not, mm. so the purchasing power when it comes to education is not keeping up. So you want to be able to invest in asset classes or combination of asset classes where you're getting growth above that of quality inflation plus 2.7%. And typically, you know, slightly higher risk uh, asset classes like equities have historically outperformed uh, inflation by, by call it 5 to 6%. So, you know, history is an indication of future returns, but it does show you that investing in equities over the long term has tended to outperform at least education inflation. Sure. And let's talk about the reality of, you know, sometimes tides change, circumstances change, and I guess this is also where we need esteemed professionals who have the qualifications, the time, the research, and the capabilities to assist us and guide us in this regard. So, so I mean, I just, yeah, I mean, it, it, it always, uh, it's always wise to kind of seek the assistance of an independent financial advisor when, when trying to make these decisions if you aren't able to, to make these decisions yourself. 
and the benefit of financial advisors is that they help you with kind of formulate a budget um, and also to put you to put a plan together for you uh, in order to to achieve your your objective of being able to fund your your children's education. Obviously, there are very diff- there are many different vehicles one one could utilise to, um, to to invest in. I mean, you know, you have your typical education policies. Um, you know, which has a guarantee. However, these aren't very flexible, and also the, the payouts might not keep up with, with uh, in education inflation if it's above what the starting rate is. Mm-hmm. Uh, one could also use an endowment type of structure. But the more popular vehicles these days is kind of a tax reinvestment or directly into a unit trust because it does offer you a bit more flexibility than your traditional uh, education type policies. But again, you know, everyone's circumstances are unique and it's always important to, to seek the help of, of independent advisors mm. if you struggle to make the decision on your own. I tell you what, Shahid, next time uh, anyone close to me has a baby shower, I'm giving them 300 rand, an investment voucher on some kind of platform <laughs> or a, consultant, a consultation with a financial advisor. And I believe that should actually be the gift uh, that we share yeah. with our loved ones. Thank you. No, definitely. If you missed it live, catch the podcast on kaya959.co.z.